Are you thinking, is this it? Waking up in the morning and ugh, I have to go to work? When is it going to end? If you ever wonder why we ask questions during our podcasts. Nah, you just listen for the free tips. We ask questions for you to get coaching without paying the expense of a private coach and for you to get help right away because the world needs you to be better. And now it's even easier for you to get the inspiration you need to make your life and relationships meaningful with the Building Better Relationship Journal and Meditation, your personal coaching journal that finds the gold in you that makes life joyful and, yes, worth getting out of bed every morning, along with the Building Better Relationships Meditation that attracts the energy and love you want in your life. What are you waiting for? Yeah, baby, this is it. Live love now. To learn more and to purchase the Building Better Relationships at Home and Work Journal and Meditation, go to https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash bbr journal. That's https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash bbr journal. You can find the link in the show notes. Building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In today's podcast, Angela and Patty have a conversation about women and men in the workplace and more. Angela, I recently saw an Instagram reel of a young lady from Alabama who was looking for a place to do her eyelash business. And because she was a woman, she was having a hard time getting a place, even though she's in business and she's successful and had money to make the rent. She even had a male friend call and the landlords were going to rent to him, but not to her. This was shocking to me because I thought those days were gone. We'll have a link in the show notes so that you can see the reel. So this made me think about what my mom had told me about the early 70s. She went to buy a brand new car with cash and each lot she went to, the salesman said to her, you need to bring your husband with you. Mm -hmm. Then she finally went to a Fiat dealership and they were the only ones that gave her any time at all, and actually sold her the car. She was so determined to buy the car on her own. She worked hard for the money and earned it and wanted to get the car on her own. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I've got other stories here in Australia where my friend's mothers could not get a loan to buy a house. So as a consequence, if you got divorced, you're basically homeless. Wow. That generation, you didn't have the money that your husband had 
saved up, you had the divorce, and bang, where's your home gone? So that's quite a common circumstance and why some women can end up homeless from that generation. Very sad. And, Patty, are women's wages still less than men's for doing the same position? Is this still happening around the world? Well, I remember a few years ago I was at a leadership training event and another participant asked me, because she knew I was a leadership coach, why women still aren't getting paid the same as men in the same positions in corporations. And I looked at her and I said, that's still going on? And she said to me, yes, you should do a poll on your blog and ask your followers. So I did. And the question was, do men make more money in the same position as women? Yes or no? Well, the poll results was 50-50. yes, 50% no. And only two people took the poll at, the, at that time. I will have the link in the show notes for to participate if you'd like. We'll also have it on Spotify. Angela, did you think men make more money than women in the same position? Do you believe that a majority of women haven't been conditioned to ask for more money? If yes, why do you think that might be? Yes, that's exactly what I think. I think men make more women in the same positions. And why? Because women have been conditioned that if they ask for more money, one, they might not get it so they don't ask, or two, they're simply not taught how to ask for more money and how to negotiate. So (laughs) the simple way to ask for more money is to learn how to do so. However, one obstacle is if you're in an organisation, a government, a corporation that has decades or centuries of culture where the hierarchy of power is centred around male relationships, then it can be really intimidating for women to go in and play with the boys and negotiate their value. Do you think it's easier and more comfortable for most men to ask for what they want at work, whether it's more money or a promotion and why? Well, men have learned how to play in that hierarchy of male relationships from when they are young boys, normally when they start playing games as early as two or three, all the way through school and onwards. A young male friend of mine who is 21 years old works in corporate law firms and in high finance, and he was explaining this to me, that young boys at school, there is a certain unspoken hierarchy that is very nonverbal and it's taught through going through these groups of boys through school, then through college, university and so on, fraternities, sports academies or sports clubs. So, for example, there are different um, rankings of boys in those areas like schools or sports. At school, you might have the sports boy who gains power because they're strong and they're good at sports. And then you'll have the intellectual boys who can argue and they beat people intellectually in debates or in other assignments. And then you have the less popular boys who hide in the background. 
So in various situations, whether it's on the playground, dating, the social arena, sports fields, some boys now in computer gaming, they learn where they are in that hierarchy, whether they're alpha males who are the strong Captain America types, the beta males, which are more the intellectual Larry David types, not Larry David, but he is a beta male. They're very smart intellectual and they're funny, like Robin Williams. Uh, the gamma males who are the ones that just sort of hide in the background and other, if the women were mating, that's their third choice. So the hierarchy within boy relationships develops into the hierarchy of male relationships without that recognition. It's just sort of very, very organic. So men learn to vie for attention and they learn domination or submission in various ways throughout their lives as boys moving to men. So that's why having a father figure is super important because the boys learn mostly from how their father plays that hierarchy in his life. Mm. If a, a father is happy being a beta or a gamma in the hierarchy, then the boy will also learn how to fold, how to stop fighting, how to negotiate, and then also how to use negotiation to move up and to win as a beta male if he doesn't have that physical strength. So a lot of negotiation is is actually beta activity where you have to use your talking skills and gamma activity too. You have to learn how to talk, to manipulate and to get what you want, whereas alpha men typically just use their aggression. So unconsciously and biologically, boys and men are wired to dominate and negotiate this hierarchy. Women are biologically wired to harmonise and talk, a lot of talking, and to work collectively from our tribal ancestry, our cultural ancestry. In our tribes, we collectively reared children, we looked out for other people's children, and we worked collectively together and cultivate resources. So competition between women was for male partners or attention, and the competition was to get the alpha male who could protect them the best. So it's not just that women are not taught to ask and be competitive. It's actually also women ancestrally and biologically and culturally were not reared to fight for what they want. They weren't reared to prove their dominance over others when it came to being the alpha in the community. So while men, they are, and it's it's an unconscious program for men. And if you want to learn more about this, there's this brilliant researcher on violence and humans and morals and how we developed morals called Richard, I'm not going to say his last name very well, Richard Rangham, Rang, W-R-A-N-G, Ham, H-A-M, and he wrote The Goodness Paradox. So he researches apes and he looks at how they learn to dominate and also to submit, and the hierarchy of the male apes is actually really important in defining how we humans evolved male and female relationships in our species. That's interesting. Angela, let's go back to the office. Last <laughs> last podcast we talked a little bit about the office. Dwight from the office, the rule follower, how does he play in his role of asking for what he wants. Yeah, and so if you don't know the office, we're looking at the American 
Yes. TV series. The Office says the British one from Ricky Gervais, but the American one has Steve Carell as Michael. And I forgot the actor who's Dwight, but Dwight is. Is that something Schultz? Schultz, yeah. yeah. And, and I see Dwight as an example of a beta male who's using his ability to be alpha. <laughs> so that researcher I mentioned before, Richard, he showed how the beta apes were less aggressive apes who learned how to come together as a group and dominate and throw out the alpha ape. So in ape tribes, you'd have one alpha ape who was very aggressive and everybody was terrified of the (laughs) alpha. So the beta apes actually at times come together collectively and then gang up on the alpha. So Dwight's a really good example of that. (laughs) He knows the rules and he uses the rules, not his physical body, to dominate and beat people over the head with how I'm the natural leader because I know the rules, I uphold the rules, and I do a better job following the rules than anyone else. Therefore, he's proving that he's a better leader. There's one episode in The Office TV series where the, the romantic lovebird couple have a one of their first romantic weekends away at Dwight's farm. <laughs> and Dwight shows his real alpha skills of survival on the farm in the wilderness and he's showing off how he's such an alpha male. But then he ends up breaking down and he's, he's showing that he's not that strong. And he's just not quite that great alpha male. So he's, he's too connected to getting it right and, and, and following the rules. So this hierarchy in male relationships, after we left the wilderness and moved to the office and, and to regulations in our society and governments, became all about protecting the rules so we could tro- control the alphas. And also at the expense of common sense <laughs> and, and many times at the expense of our humanity. That's Dwight for me. He just doesn't get that if you follow the rules, you're going to miss the, the, the natural part of relationships and connecting to people. So Dwight on the TV show, he's such a goofball. His character is hilarious. But he really shows up for us, that guy who will use the rules to dominate others And just by sticking to his ideology that he's right by following the company rules, he makes everyone else lose and he just bulldozes his way to getting what he wants. So he's kind of combining the alpha behaviour with the beta ideas, using his way to justify his overbearing and bullying behaviour. Paddy, what what do you think is, is... Dwight just the guy that does what he wants because he's blind to what everybody else needs? I think so. He's blind to other people's needs because he is so set on following the rules, procedures, and policies. Some people will listen to him and some will not like Michael. I think sometimes when you're so into the rules, you miss out on looking at other ideas or ways to do things because you're so focused on that. Yeah, and The Office is a great example of alpha men um, out-compete, trying to outcompete each other yeah. and they never win. <laughs> <laughs> so, Angela, 
Let's talk about gig economy. How has the gig economy changed the way women were previously conditioned to empowering them to ask for what they are worth? Yes, yeah, so the, the gig economy is what we're calling it now, where people are moving away from full-time or part-time hours at work to casual on-call work, like an Uber driver, to being an online entrepreneur, to offering services in exchange for a fixed fee, like a coach, a trainer, or other service provider, like our eyelash lady. Yeah, and us. <laughs> And, yes, we're talking about all services. So for (laughs) thousands of years, um, the oldest profession, some of you will know what we're talking about. Women have been doing that and that was a um, privileged profession for thousands of years that prostitution women could offer their services as well. But now we're looking at renegotiating how women see their value not as sexual and not just seeing women being used in the service industries, but how the actual um, soft skills that women provide that uh, include things like nurturing, support for people who have mental health problems, support for people who are experiencing trauma. We're witnessing with the war in Ukraine that there are a lot of refugees. So situations where people are dealing with crisis These are the sort of skills that are going to become more and more needed as there are more natural disasters, human-made disasters, things from war, where we're realising that women are actually required through their soft skills much more for these sorts of services. But also the gig economy has forced a lot of women to, to find ways to look at how to raise their children and also provide income because there may not be in a marriage Their partner may not be living with them or they have separate houses. So women are looking at how to use a gig economy to be able to raise their children and and still create income and have more time with their family and look at what sort of life they want to create by not working full time. Yeah, and when I said that Angela and I are gig economy, I was talking about us being coaches. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes, they can set their own hours of when to work and when not to work so that they can spend more time with the family and spend more time creating self-care for work-life balance success. So people can set their own hours and work all different kinds of hours to accommodate family and to accommodate themselves and their needs for their their household. Yeah, and men and women are both yes. doing that's there's an increase in both. Yes. So looking at how women have used the gig economy to change their conditioning about what price they set for their value. One thing that happens when you work in a gig economy is that you actually have to make sure your price recognises the value that you give. So the soft skills like listening, empathy, helping groups of people work together, you know, that's our biological wiring. We bring people together, helping people deal with their emotions and challenges. These skills are slowly 
still slowly starting to be more recognised by women as very, very valuable, more valuable to the marketplace and to our society in these challenging times. Previously, consultant work that made people a lot of money, like in the finance industry or in the business industry, those were given more money and more priority. And those gigs or jobs were predominantly male. Now there is a gradual shift where the economy is having to recognise that having all the money in the world is not going to solve the mental, emotional and survival problems of the species. Yes, some of the traditional roles of technology to solve our climate problems will be, of course, more predominantly male or female depending on the arena. However, we really, really have this opportunity with the gig economy to start giving higher value uh, to the soft skills where we actually solve and support the mental and emotional problems of the species that are coming through mass trauma, through war, through surviving climate disasters, through helping people adapt to the mental health issues that are are coming up. All of our podcasts have addressed these things like loneliness, suicide, having work-life balance when you don't have enough money, how to balance spending quality time with your family. All of these things are things that women can now start to actually say these are very much more important than making money. And so then you can give more value to the services that you provide that support people, such as childcare or supporting people with disabilities, or supporting families who are going through a life crisis. So this gig economy now is giving women a very big step up to start claiming the value of the service you provide rather than the marketplace saying, no, we're only going to pay you this much. Let me give you an example. If you're a woman offering your services to resolve difficult feelings or problems in the workspace, Perhaps you can come in as a facilitator for a group of people struggling in their organisation to deal with trauma, care fatigue. Perhaps they're having a lot of dysfunctional operations in the organisation. You can now start to verbalise your conflict resolution skills and how these skills are going to help the organisation deal with a transition, um, deal with cultural toxicity. Uh, resolve the problems of high staff turnover, help the instability of the organisation to come back to a place of normality or, or a place of being able to shift with the change in the market, to shift with the change of maybe people working at home versus being in the office, to deal with a lack of communication amongst employees or between different levels of management and to actually implement new communication skills in the workplace to start respectful communication between different members of the uh, organisation and to understand how management can start to relate to different employees so employees actually don't uh, continue to be constantly pissed off, as we say in Australia. (laughs) We are currently right now, our teachers and our train drivers and transport um, drivers are constantly in disarray and and going to strikes because their needs are not being recognised. It's not just about increasing their pay. They're being overworked and it's actually unsafe, the conditions. Mm -hmm. So people need to start recognising that 
if you're anybody that can help with those sort of empathy building skills, uh, conflict resolution skills, your, your, your services are going to be more and more needed in the future. And women are wired for those sorts of skills. So women can start to reposition their value in the marketplace. Women as conflict resolution providers will be more and more necessary in the future as our society deals with more conflict and more human-made and natural disasters. So I see women really being able to negotiate their value from a very different place. We're not just caregivers, we're, we're problem solvers. Yes, I can see that, Angela. So one of the questions that you may want to ask yourself is how can women change their mindset to feel comfortable to ask for what they are worth? So here's a, a few tips to help with that. Practice in the mirror asking for what you want at work. Write out a script and memorize it so the words come out easily and you're confident. Say powerful affirmations daily for confidence and getting what you want. Find a mentor or a coach like Angela and I to work with you on strategies to get what you want. I love that. Like a lot of my sessions, we actually create that empowering language mm-hmm. of just asking for what you want. Right. And one tweet from, from my 21-year-old friend, male friend, he was so positive and solution-focused whenever he asked for what he wanted that people just sort of went, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes the value conversation or claiming your value really is just by describing with confidence and joy the solution that you're going to offer. And, and that- Yeah, and when we coach, we're, you're using your words, you're writing the script, you're saying the words that you're comfortable with. We're not giving you the words to say because we want you comfortable in saying it the natural words that yes. feel correct for you and, yeah. and what you bring. So another thing that really affects male and female relationships are family dynamics. We've talked about this in other podcasts. People bring their family dynamics and values to the workplace. Patty, how can we communicate in the workplace when everybody is diverse Yes, in in the workplace, there is diversity all around you. Not everyone comes from the same background, upbringing, social status, or learned communication style. Not everyone thinks the same as you. And we have to learn that, that your opinion or, or the way you think, not everybody thinks that way. People have different belief systems, values, and ethics and they bring them to work. That's where miscommunication and assuming something can come into a play. Not talking and listening to everyone's communication style. Trauma also comes into play. Say you had a parent that said to you, you don't speak until you are spoken to. This may follow you into your adult life and into your work life. 
If you grew up in a household of harsh criticism and yelling, this may affect you on how you communicate with others when under stress. Another thing that can damage people in the workplace is gossip, especially about male and female coworkers' relationships. People make up stuff. Whether it's true or not, this can really hurt people and their careers. Gossip is a destroyer of all relationships. Gossip causes mistrust and hurt. And little by little, people will turn on each other because of it. Another thing is top management needs women and men to have different viewpoints and ways of handling things. When the organization are top heavy with either men or women, there is no balance of keeping perspectives in check and different points of view of looking at situations on how they will affect others. Back to your question, Angela, learning different communication styles, how to communicate with those styles without getting defensive and really listening to each other's side of the issue. You may not agree, and that's okay, but being open to share without judgment and ask questions to understand. How can we have a better balance in the workplace with men and women, whether it is pay, top management, or respecting each other? We would love to hear your comments and feedback on this question. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast with others and give us a five-star review or a clap on the Anchor Podcast app so more people can find and listen to our podcast. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.